All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. human privilege that we have you know I'm not sure when it happened but I remember being a a teenager and and chasing Jesus and I remember thinking all right I'm a Christian now I have to pray I'm a Christian now I have to pray anybody ever felt that way I'm a Christian now I have to pray and then somewhere at some point I realized that I don't have to pray I get to pray. I get to share my heart with the God of the universe, the creator of the world. I get to pray. I get to talk to Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. I get to talk to him. And here's the cool part. He talks back. And that's what prayer is all about. And so here's we've read this passage every week. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. Y'all, I I know some of y'all been in church your whole life and you've heard that that passage. Don't blow past those words. Call me, call to me and I will answer you. Not maybe, not, you, you know, if I feel like answering you, I'll answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. Tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. So last week I got a chance Don and I got a chance to be away for a few days, and for the first time ever, we were completely disconnected, so I had no idea what was going on in this building. And I was, believe it or not, for the control freak that I am, we were cool with that. And then I came back, and I listened to Mikey's sermon, and I was like, man, he is right on point with what we're talking about. He talked about praying with confidence. How many of you know you don't have to wonder if God heard your prayer? You don't have to wonder if God's going to answer your prayer. You can pray with confidence. I was, I, and it just fits so well with what I'm getting ready to share with you today. Except one thing. I, I just need you guys to know that I did not beat Mikey as often as he led you to believe that I did <laughs> as, as he was growing up. In fact, he probably didn't get as many as he deserved. <clears throat> so we'll just leave that right there. You know, sometimes God talks to me in a very unique way. And Don and I, for the very first time in our, in our uh, lives, we went on a cruise. And I really didn't know what to expect. Some of you had told me what it was like. Both of my children have been on cruises and told me what to expect, especially when it came to the quantity of food that was available. And they were not wrong. And I was, you know, the Bible talks about gluttony, so I had to repent <laughs> when we came back. But I, I, think, I think everybody needs to experience that. Because it gives you a chance to kind of step into a bubble that most of us don't get to, uh, get to experience. And God spoke to me in a very powerful way, I think. Um, 
that oftentimes our prayer life, we treat our prayer life like we treat life on a cruise ship. Because let me tell you what it was like for us. We had this, this young man that was our stateroom attendant. And do you know what he did for me? Anything I asked him to. He did anything. And here's how he responded. Of course, sir. Of course, sir. Came into our room, fresh towels, made lobster towels, white, swan towels, an elephant one night. And I'm like, that's cool. I don't know why you would go to the trouble to do that, but it's very cool. Not asking for things. Of course, sir. Of course, sir. And then we'd go to the restaurant, and we got the same waiter twice. His name was Ahmed, and he was cool because he brought me anything I asked for. The, the, the first night, I thought, I wonder what would happen if I ordered two appetizers because I wanted the French onion soup, and I wanted the shrimp cocktail. And I said, Ahmed, what do you, can I? Of course, sir. Of course, sir. Then the last night, I was really going to push the envelope. And I said, uh, oh, man, I want the fish and chips, and I want the prime rib. Can I have them both? And guess what he said? Of course, sir. And, and my wife looked at me, and she said, did you just order two entrees? And I said, I sure did, and asked me if I feel bad about it. She's like, I did not feel bad about it. And so she, she busted my chops a little bit. Let me tell this story. <laughs> so uh, she ordered her dessert, and, uh, and, and the waiter kind of talked her out of the dessert she was going to order. And then the lady at the table beside us got the dessert that Donna was going to originally order, and I saw her eyes. <laughs> and so Ahmed comes by, and she said, um, could, I, could I get that brownie thing with this molten and... <laughs> stuff come and you know what she said what he said of course ma'am of course ma'am and then we come home there was there was no room service menus nobody picked up our towels i had to walk into my kitchen on friday morning open the refrigerator and make my own breakfast like a peasant awful and in the middle of all that the lord spoke to me he said some people treat their prayer life like they're on a cruise ship here's what i need you to hear from me today god is not your stateroom attendant he's not your butler and he's not your waiter he's the god of the universe and he's not at your beck and call. He's not, your, your prayer life is not about you trying to get him on board with your life. It's about getting your life on board with his purpose and plan. And that's what prayer is all about. So the first thing I want you to write down today, God responds to urgent prayer. I, I wonder if, if you're guilty of doing this. Have you ever seen somebody on Facebook? ask for a prayer request, and you give them the little hands emoji and then forget all about it? Is that, is that just me? Has anybody else ever done that? And then you see them walking down the aisle in Kroger, and you go, oh, I was supposed to pray for them. And you go, Lord, Jesus, bless them in Jesus' name right now. And then you see them, babe, I've been praying for you. 
Is that, is that really how that's supposed to work? James 5 and 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. Listen, the urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. King James reads it like this, the effectual fervent prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man availed. I wonder if the reverse could also be true. An apathetic prayer is weak and ineffective. See, I, I don't believe, now listen, I believe God hears every cry of your heart, so don't misinterpret what I'm getting ready to say. But listen, if, if your prayer doesn't mean very much to you, it's probably not going to mean very much to God. What makes prayer effective is not its volume. And why do we do that, by the way? Why do we change our vocal tone when it comes time to pray in public? Hey, have you, ever, you, met, you met that guy? He's, you, you talk to him in the, in the back of the church, and, and yeah, I, I washed my truck the other day. It was this thick in mud, and uh, it was, we, you know, it took me three hours to wash my truck, and then he gets called on to pray, and it's, Heavenly Father, Bless us all. Right? What, what do we think we're accomplishing when we try to put some facade on our prayer life? See, one of the elements of our prayer that makes it effective is the urgency of our prayer. And that has nothing to do with your volume. It has nothing to do with your vocal tone. It has nothing to do with who's, it's, or who's around you. It has to do with the cry of your heart. You know what it's called? When I pray for your need with the same urgency I would pray for my own, it's called intercession. It means I pray for your need as powerfully and as urgently and as fervently as I would pray for my own. And I'm going to tell you that that's what the church needs today. It's people who know how to pray for each other with urgency and fervency. <laughs> can, I, can I show what that might look like? Um, see, we, we're, we're good with our, now listen, I use those prayer emojis a lot. You, you send me a text, pray, pray for, you know, Aunt Jojo, she's having surgery, and I'll send you back the text, the prayer emojis, not let you know I'm praying. L let me show you what, what urgent prayer might look like, this picture that's going to pop up on the screen. You know who those people are? Those are Ukrainian Christians. Those are Ukrainian Christians who are worried about the war that might be coming to their soil. And so they gather together in the snow on their knees. Now, you and I, you know what we'd probably do? We'd probably hold hands because of the snow on the ground. No. To me, that looks like desperation. That looks like urgency. That looks like hunger. That little voice you hear on that sermon bumper is a man by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. You may wonder why we have that, that little bumper on our, on our sermon, you know, introduction each week during this sermon series, and it's Leonard Ravenhill brought the idea of a prayer-centered revival to the Western world. And how many of you understand that you can have revival with a hotshot evangelist and it'd be good. But real revival is only birthed by one thing. 
And that's when God's people bow their heart, bend their knee, and cry out to God in prayer. This is what he said. Leonard Ravenhill said, A man will never ascend higher than his prayer life. Regardless of the size of your church, or how far you've traveled, or how many books you've written, you'll never be greater than your prayer life. Guess what we can do? We can walk in here, and we can put on a mask, and we can make everybody think we're okay. And we can say, somebody look at you and say, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hadn't talked to God in six months, but I'm blessed and highly favored. Isn't it interesting? The disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. Now, they sat at his feet at the Sermon on the Mount and heard the most powerful sermon that's ever been spoken. Ever. I got the incredible opportunity to stand on the hill, on the mount, and it was cool. And I would think that after hearing a sermon like that, the disciples would go, Lord, teach us to preach. And that's not what they said. You know what they said? Lord, teach us to pray. Here's the interesting thing. All of those disciples were Jewish men, and they grew up praying. So they knew how to pray. You know what they were saying? They were saying, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. Because when Jesus prayed, funerals got interrupted. When Jesus prayed, people that were sick weren't sick anymore. When Jesus prayed, women with an issue of blood for 12 years were instantly cleansed. Here's the thing. When Jesus prayed, miracles took place. And so the disciples were saying, teach us to pray like you pray. Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. So in order to do that, we got to pray with urgency. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How to pray with urgency. Write this down. And I'd like to take credit for this quote. I don't know who said it. I honestly tried to figure out who said this for the first time. So it wasn't me. It wasn't original. I just happened to believe it. That prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And can I tell you that happens, doesn't it? We wait to pray until we can't, until it go, it's no longer in our control. You know, we, we'll hold off praying as long as we can control it. As long as I've got some element of control, I'll wait to pray. But the truth of the matter is, any control you think you got is a facade and it's a myth. The God of the universe is in control. So what we should do is pray first. We're going to talk about that in a little while. When we faced with the circumstances and the changing seasons of our lives, our first response shouldn't be to whine and gripe and complain and fuss. Our first response should be to pray. When your candidate doesn't get elected, what's our first response? Is it to complain and gripe and worry and freak out? It ought to be to pray. When your marriage isn't going like you think it needs to go, is the best thing to do just to give up and throw in the towel? No. Pray. When our first response is faith, here's what happens. We acknowledge, we acknowledge that we depend only on Jehovah God. Listen, I, I, I hope, there's only one group of people that I hope I, I offend on a regular basis, and that's, and, and that's atheists. 
because I, I think atheism is a facade. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a saying that there's no atheist in a, in a foxhole. Um, and, and here's what that looks like. You know, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been around for a little while. I remember uh, when there was a, a mass shooting in Buckhead in, in the early 90s. Mayor of Atlanta got on TV, and he didn't, he didn't talk about kicking God out of public schools. You know what he said? Hey, people, we need to pray. When, when airplanes get flown into buildings in New York City, what, what do we need to do? We, all, across, all across the networks, people, we need to pray. Pa- churches were packed the week after 9-11. We need to pray. We acknowledge our dependence on Jehovah God. We acknowledge the fact that just because this situation, this circumstance is too big for me. Anybody in one of those right now? It's too big for me. It, no kidding. If you're in one of those right now, please listen to this. Just because it's too big for you doesn't mean it's too big for the God that you serve. And you ought to talk to him about it. We access this covenant relationship we have with God through this beautiful privilege of praying in the name of Jesus. Listen to what Romans chapter 8 says. Listen to this relationship that we have. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You're not a slave. Indeed, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit, your spirit, to affirm that, listen, we are God's children. Since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Listen, you're not a slave, you're a son. That's the relationship you have with the God of the universe. You're his child. You have a unique relationship with the God of the universe. So when we pray an urgent prayer, what happens? What happens? When we pray an urgent prayer as a child of God. Now, I'm going to call a time out. Listen, if you want to be a child of God, there's, you've got a part in that process. We just, <laughs> we just read that God's Spirit adopted us as His own children. Let me tell you how that happens. It's when I recognize that I'm in desperate need of a Savior. And I call on the God of the universe who sent His Son. And His Son came and bled and died on a bloody cross for my sins and then rose again. We're going to celebrate it in a few weeks. We're going to celebrate Easter Sunday because how many know He's alive and well and we receive His his life into ours and we are new creatures. Then, guess what? It's not just our sins are forgiven. We get to go to heaven. We are adopted as a child of God, and we have a brand new, unique relationship with the God of the universe. That's what has to happen. So what happens when a child of God prays an urgent prayer? This is profound. This is deep. You might want to hang on. Write it down. You ready to write it down? God hears us. Listen. The distinctive between Christianity and every other religion on the planet is when we pray, God hears and answers. Call to me and I will answer you. 
Mike, you read this passage last week, and I, I have to read it again. First John says, now this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, now we can spend a little time there. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, what's those next three words? He hears us. And if he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. So when we pray an urgent prayer, as an adopted child of God, he hears us. But stop there. Heaven pays attention. Remember we talked last week that you don't have to earn God's attention. Actually, that was two weeks ago. Last week it was Mikey. Two weeks ago, we, that you don't have to earn God's attention. You don't have to jump up and down and wave your arms to get his attention. We saw a beautiful example of that that Sunday night. We were, some folks were over at our house for a small group uh, Bible study. We were talking. Trent and Eli were there. Nikki was there. And, and, and Eli was kind of going across the floor. I was sitting on the floor right at the top of my staircase. And he lost his feet and face planted right on that floor. And, you know, if, if, you're, a, if you're a parent, everybody's kid face plants sooner or later, right? But here was the beautiful example. Before Eli could even, even cry, Trent was up, and Trent's a big guy. <laughs> Trent was up off his seat and scooped that little boy up in his arms. And I thought, that's what that looks like. Eli didn't have to beg Trent for his attention. Dad, my lips bloody. Don't you see me? Hey, it's me. Before he ever was able to cry, Trent had that kid scooped up. And I need to tell you that that's exactly how your heavenly father is. Because Trent's a good daddy, but he ain't good as God. And I believe with all of my heart that that's how God responds to his children. That when we're in need, oh, before. How many know he knows what you need before you ask him? Yeah. Psalm 66, psalmist said, but God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer. Withdraw his unfailing love from me. I mean, Donna said it so well. Listen, and this, maybe this sounds judgmental, and we, we don't mean it to be, but you are. You're as, you're as close to God as you want to be. You don't have to go searching for it. I mean, I want you to seek for him, but guess what? He, he, there's this passage in Hebrews that I, I heard it all my life, and I, I never really got it until just a, a few years ago that, that says that when we draw close to God, he draws close to us. And in all my life, I thought, well, that means that if I'll take a step toward God, that he'll take a step toward me, and then I'll take a step toward God, and he'll take a step toward me, and that's how that works. That's not how that works. Here's, here's, what, the, here's what it looks like. I take a step toward God, and like a father on an injured child, he's on me. I, I'm surrounded by him. He's scooped me up in his presence just when I take one little bitty step toward him. I don't have to earn his affection. I don't have to earn his attention. All I've got to do is make one step toward him, and he, his presence surrounds me, and I can lean against him and feel his heart how that looks mm. second chronicle says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray seek my face and turn from their wicked ways oh listen what is it what does it say i will hear from heaven forgive their sins and heal their land i i, I did a little word study there that that word here it's a it's a 
It's a Hebrew word, shama, and it literally means to preside over, to listen intently. I don't know how he does it, but when you pray, I need you to understand that you've got God's undivided attention. Does he have yours? Humble themselves, pray. So what happens? God hears. We get heaven's attention, and then God intervenes. And I, I, I hear your skepticism already. Well, do I not? I prayed for this, and, and God didn't do anything about it. Yes, he did. I've, I've prayed for things and thought God was ignoring me when what he was really doing was saying no. And, and see, we, we like the idea of praying and God behaving like we want him to behave. Oh, I, I'll never forget. Walking up and down the street in front of my dad's house at 16 years old because there was a girl at my church that I just knew I was destined to forever, you know, be a part of her life and her part of mine. And I, God, you, you got to do something. She doesn't know I'm alive. <laughs> I don't know. She obviously can't see what's right in front of her. Something is wrong. You need to get her attention. And he didn't. And he didn't. And I didn't understand it till June of none of your business a long time ago. Somebody introduced. Listen to me. The girl I was praying for introduced me to my wife. And the rest... God intervenes. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks and who knocks, the door will be opened. Amen. Maybe, just maybe, we've forgotten who we're praying to. You know, a great way to get reminded of who you're praying to is do a little study on the names of God. And if you'll do that, you'll, you'll come up with things like, Elohim. When I pray, Elohim intervenes. He's the creator God. <laughs> Maybe there's been the, that moment when you feel lost without a way. Maybe you should recognize that when you pray, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. Mm. Ever felt all alone? Ever felt isolated all by yourself? Maybe you should recognize that when you pray, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present, is with you. Anybody been sick in your body, sick in your mind, sick in your soul? Maybe we should recognize that Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, is intervening in our prayer. <laughs> One of my favorite ones. Next time you're walking into a battle, and listen, your battle might, might look like something going on in your home, on your job. It might look like a meeting. It look, might look like a marriage. It may, I don't know what that battle looks like, but here's what I know is that when I pray, Jehovah, uh, uh, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, the banner goes before me. I never have to fight a battle by myself because Jehovah Nisi goes before me. He's my banner, my shield. El Elyon, the most 
high God, El Olam, the everlasting God. That's who you're talking to. That's who's talking to you when you bend your heart and bow your knee to prayer. I used to say, and I try not to say this anymore, but there's power in prayer. There's not. Muslims pray five times a day to a dead God. There's no power in that prayer. Buddhist, I told you this two weeks ago. Buddhists pray with wheels and instruments and all sorts of fanfare, and they don't even believe in a deity. Help me understand that one. There's no power in prayer. There's power when we pray to Jehovah God through His Son, Jesus. That's who intervenes. Call to me and I will answer you. And He will. <laughs> Sometimes I see this on Facebook. People, there'll be a, a prayer need. Hey, if you get a second, send some prayers my way. Listen, if I'm sick, don't you send prayers my way. I want you to send prayers his way. Amen. Come on, somebody. I, I, don't send them this way. I can't answer your prayer. Right? And you can't answer mine. But guess what we can do? We can lock arms together and we're two or three gather and agree as touching any one thing that God is present among us. The I said this to you last week. Please hear this. The prayer of faith to the God of the Bible is the only prayer that elicits a response. And there's always a response. Even if you don't recognize it, there's a response. Oh, I, I, I understand and I get it, man. It, you, you're praying and, and you, don't, you don't see with your eyes and you don't hear with your ears what, what God is doing. But I, I hate to break, break your hearts and break this to you, but God operates outside of your vision and outside of your hearing. God operates in a realm that you can't see. Oh, there's so many stories in the Bible. My favorite one, I don't, I don't have time to give it to the whole thing to you, but I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac. At, God told him to sacrifice his son. And with faith, Abraham acts in obedience and takes his son up Mount Moriah. And then suddenly, there's a lamb. And, and God instructs him to sacrifice the lamb instead of his son. But Abraham never saw the lamb when he's climbing that mountain. See, as, as Abraham's climbing this mountain with his son, and his son's going, Daddy, what's, what's going on? <laughs> climbing his mountain, that on the other side, God had provided a ram, but he never saw it until he got to the top of the mountain. Listen, just because you can't see God hard at work on your behalf doesn't mean he's not working. And don't you buy into the lie of the devil that says God's forgotten you and that he's not, he, he's not answering your prayer because I promise you, he is just because you can't see it. Your eyes are not bright enough. Your ears aren't tuned enough to hear what God's doing behind the scenes. That's good preaching. I'm sorry, that's... Let, let me tell you why you can do that. Because Jesus opens the door. I showed you these pictures from the Western Wall in Jerusalem. And the second picture, I'm standing at what they said was literally 18 inches from the Holy of Holies, or where the Holy of Holies would have been. And let me just remind you of what that place represented. 
See, in, when Solomon built its temple, the Holy of Holies represented the place where God dwelled. His presence was reserved for that area because no man can see God and live. And for the priest to step behind a veil that separated the outer court from that holy place, there was all sorts of instructions and all sorts of ceremony that they had to go through to be able to walk behind that veil into the presence of God. And I'm standing right there at it. They tell us, Jewish history tells us that, that the priests would wear bells around the, their robe so as long as you heard the veil, I mean the bell ringing, you knew the priest was okay. But if, if for some reason they went in unclean, Jewish history tells us that there's a rope around one of the ankles so that we could drag, drag the priest out because he went in unworthy. See, there was a lot of ceremony. There was a lot of restriction to be able to stand in God's presence. And I told you about that wall, and I told you about how disappointed I was because I was expecting some incredible spiritual experience, and it just didn't happen. And how God said, Dwayne, you're no closer to me right now than you are in the front seat of your truck or kneeling in your office to pray. And I'd like to read to you the scripture that seals that. Matthew 27, at the moment Jesus died, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple, just a little bit beyond where that picture was taken, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. And what that symbolized to me and you is there would never have to be a time again when we would have to go to a priest to go to God's presence for us that we could boldly approach the throne of God to find grace and help and mercy in our time of need. That when that veil was torn, it, it gave you and I access to the presence of God. Jesus opened the door. Here's something interesting and, and some of you Bible scholars may call me out on this. I don't know. But from my study, here's what I, I, I've, I've observed. In the Old Testament, God is called Father over and over and over again. But it's usually in a corporate context. Like he's Father to the nation of Israel. Then Jesus shows up and he's our Father. He's my Father. Now listen, I... I'm a father to you, but I'm their father. There's a difference. <laughs> Isn't it good to be able to know that uh, the New Testament says in Galatians chapter 3, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And I, I love to open every prayer just like this. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh. What privilege it is to call on the God of the universe. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give you a couple things to take home with you. And, and a lot of these, we, we did a, a series several years ago called Pray First. And so I'm going to steal that. So the first thing I want you to write down is this. Pray first. Pray first. And I'm a little nervous about what I'm getting ready to share with you. <laughs> what you don't know about me I have very vivid dreams. I, I mean, incredibly 
detailed dreams. I'll wake up sometimes and tell Donna, and, and listen, I'm not telling you they're all profound to make sense. Sometimes they're as crazy as the day is long, but I remember them in vivid detail. And Donna's like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. But I had one about this sermon, about this part of the sermon. You'll laugh at me because it's funny, but it, I'm just going to tell you how the Lord used my dream. In my dream, I was counseling an African-American pastor. And I had this opportunity to just share with him. And he was, he was talking to me about some issues in his church and, and was asking for advice. And I was trying to help him. And, and it seemed like in his, it, as he's describing the problems that were going on, he was, he was nine miles down the road. He wasn't dealing with the problem at hand. He was dealing with the problems that might result from what he was dealing with right now. Does that make sense? And so I kept saying to him, you got to start where you are to get where you're going. You got to start where you are to get where you're going. And all throughout our conversation, you got to start where you are to get where you're going. You got to start where you are to get where you're going. And then all of a sudden in my dream, I'm standing on the stage in his church. I am the only white person in the building. <laughs> and I'm preaching like an old time African American Pentecostal. I'm like, you got to start where you are ha, to get where you're going. Ha, you got to start uh, where you are ha, to get. Ha! Ah, where y'all going? And there was an organ behind me, and I was like, you got to start where you are. Wah! To get where you're going. Wah, wah, wah! And this just went on. You got to start where you are to get where you're going. And then all of a sudden, I'm still asleep, and I'm still in my dream, but I'm, 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 it's just me and God. Because this is what I'm thinking in my mind. You know, that, that's really true. That if, if, if things are going wrong in your life, you've got to start where you are. Things are going wrong in your finances. You've got to start where you are. Things are going wrong in your marriage. You can't, you can't get nine miles ahead of it. You've got to start where you are. And I thought about how true that is in so many different parts of our life. If you're dealing with depression, you know, it doesn't do any good to deny what you're dealing with. You got to start where you are. You know, if you're dealing with an addiction, it doesn't do any good to say, I'm, bless God, I'm not an addict. Well, then why aren't you smoking crack? Yeah. <laughs> right? You got to start, you got to start where you are. You got to start where you are. If you're struggling, you know, don't walk in, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, I'm struggling. How, listen, thank God you go to a church where you can be real with somebody. Thank God, if you're struggling, you can walk in and go, I'm broke. I'm toe up from the flow up. <laughs> right? And so I'm, I'm sitting and I'm rolling that through my head, still in my dream. Still in my dream. You're going to get this part. Or it's just going to be a funny story. I, I'm, I'm rolling through this in my head, and it's like the Holy Spirit wraps his arm around me. And he said, no, wherever you are, the first step is always involving me in the process. Always. Pray first. But you know what we want to do? Is we want to get to step 22 when our plan didn't work and then involve God in the process. So I'm going to tell you to pray first. Pray first. Pray first. So pray first. Next, pray early. 
We touched on this a little bit on week one, but I wanted, to, I wanted to read this passage to you. I used to think that that meant, you know, pray before 6 a.m. Pray early, you know. And 6 a.m. might not be early to you, but it's, it's early to me, 6 a.m. And then I, I, I read this passage, Psalm 63, Psalm 63, verse 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And so I, I read that passage, and maybe six or eight different translations, and it's translated one of two ways. It's either translated early or earnestly. And, and here's, here's what I took from that. The more desperate you are, the earlier involved God in the process. What would happen? Anybody ever bought a car you didn't need to buy? What would happen if you involved God earlier in the process? We, we involve God in the process when it's up on the rack and tow up, right? What would happen if we involved God early in the process? Anybody ever went on a date with somebody you didn't need to go out with? <clears throat> Don't look at your wife when I said that. <laughs> so maybe the, way that, maybe the way that looks is pray earnestly early. Yes. So is it, is it earnestly or is it early? I'm going to tell you it's both. Yeah. Early in the process. Urgently early pray first pray early and write this down don's coming to play pray first pray early pray often first thessalonians 5 17 says never stop praying king james read it pray without ceasing yeah and i used to think that that meant all right i, I gotta walk down the hall or i gotta walk down the you know the grocery store at kroger and Lord, in Jesus' name, bless that dude and bless that guy and bless this person. And Lord, bless this cereal I'm pulling off the shelf. And I, I, you better pray for whatever. Um, I, I don't think that that's what it means. I think what, what Paul is telling the church, the Thessalonian church, is that prayer should be a part of your life. Prayer should be how you live and breathe. That you've got access because of the blood of Christ to the God of the universe. Never stop availing yourself of the privilege of prayer. Never stop praying. Hmm. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. I, I want you to... I want you to recognize and know that you're, you're in a church that believes in prayer. This church was birthed on prayer. Before we had a name, before we had a location, we had a prayer group. I want you to know that when you put those prayer requests on those connection cards, that we pray over those. I want you to know that We take those very seriously. But I also want you to know that if you're a child of God, 
If you've been adopted into the family of God, you're son, daughter of God. You're a breath away from the presence of God. So we're going to do that today. We're going to avail ourselves of a privilege of prayer. And I want you to do just that. I want you to just take a few moments. Don's going to sing this chorus a time or two. I just want you to pray. Some of you may need to pray for for forgiveness, for sin that you've carried. There's nothing that's more liberating than forgiveness. So some of you may want to pray for forgiveness. We talked to you last or two weeks ago. Every every prayer should involve adoration, repentance, petition, surrender. So we're going to give you a few minutes just to talk to the Lord and listen to what he has to say. Listen, if you're going through a struggle, you need healing in your body, talk to the Lord about it. Maybe you're battling an addiction, a sticky sin that you just can't seem to shake. Why don't you, in, in this moment, why don't you talk to God about deliverance? Why don't you with confidence, like Mikey talked about last week, walk boldly into the presence of the Lord? While Donna sings, I want you to pray. And I'll come back and I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
We adore you. We declare you as God of the universe. There is none like you. We worship and adore you. God, everyone in this room has fallen short of your glorious standard. So we repent of our sins. We recognize that there is only one perfect human being that walked this planet. His name was Jesus. And it's because of his life that we can come boldly before our Father and ask for forgiveness and humble repentance of our sins. God, we recognize you as Elohim, the creator God. So God, would you create a way for someone where there seems to be no way. We recognize you as Jehovah Roha, the, the Lord, our shepherd. God, would you be a shepherd? Would you, would you uh, gather someone into your arms today? Show them your path that you have for them. We recognize you today as Jehovah Shammah. There's someone in this room today that feels isolated and lonely. Someone watching online that feels isolated and lonely. Would you under, help them understand today that you're a God that is very present, a very present help in the time of trouble. We recognize you today as Jehovah Rapha, the God of our healing. And so God, those in this room that need a physical healing in their body, we believe and, and pray with confidence in a God who is able to heal and deliver. Those that might be sick in their mind, the enemy is filled their head full of lies. God, we believe that you can heal our mind as well as you can heal our body. God, we are thankful for Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide this morning. We're thankful for Jehovah Nisi, Lord, our banner that goes before us in every battle. So God, my prayer today is that you meet every need as only you can. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to stand to your feet and we're going to end this service lifting our voice to the Lord. I want to sit at your feet. I want to sit at your feet drink from the cup Come on, if that's your prayer, sing it as a prayer. I want to sit just one time. I want to sit at your feet, oh Lord. Drink from the cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. Yes. Come on, if you know you've been in the presence of the Lord this morning, I want you to offer him an ovation of praise. And the psalmist said, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yes! We worship you, Lord. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Hey, we're back Wednesday night. Hope we see you then.